0: How many of you have ever gotten something from Christmas or birthday and you've re-gifted it? Yeah. Come on. Come on. I was going through my closet just yesterday. I was looking in there and I was thinking, dang it, there is some unwrapped, perfectly packaged items that are still in the saran wrap that I could have just given away for Christmas and I, yeah, I just missed it. But next year, right? What is it about re-gifting? that none of us want to admit? What is it about getting something from somebody that you know you're never going to use it, right? It's going to just sit in your shelf forever. But what is it about that that makes us not want to admit that we were given something that we're just not going to use? What is it about it? Maybe it's the feeling of the thought behind the gift that was given to us. Maybe it's the feeling of, you know... You may be a pack rat type of a personality where you just hang on to things like I do and you just never know. So you hang on to it because you might someday want to taste that fruitcake that's sitting there in the cupboard. You just never know. Whatever it is, there's something about receiving a gift that you don't use that we all can kind of relate to that feeling and that emotion. As we begin to talk about our heart and talk about the deep things inside of us that make us who we are, I want to start off by sharing a story with you found in the book of Matthew, and it's a story that many of us in this room have probably heard many times, but tonight when we read it together, I want us to think in terms of our heart. Look with me in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, and it says in verse 14, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip, he called together his servants and gave them money to invest for him while he was gone. He gave five bags of gold to one, two bags of gold to another, and one bag of gold to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of gold began immediately to invest the money, and he soon doubled it. The servant with the two bags of gold also went right to work and doubled the money. But the servant who received the one bag of gold, he dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money for safekeeping. I want to stop right there for a second. I want us to really understand this story in a certain context tonight. And in order for us to understand it, I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of these three guys. And I want us to understand what they were being asked to do. They were given an opportunity by their boss. One of the guys got five bags of gold, another guy got three bags of gold, and another guy got one or something like that. These guys were put in a situation that was very awkward. They were put in a situation that was very difficult to know exactly how to respond. They had to size up themselves and they had to size up their boss. They had to think about why did he do this? Why did he give this to me? What about me was he seeing or was he thinking when he gave me this opportunity? And what do I think about my boss in regards to how I should respond this opportunity. In other words, there was a relationship that had to come into play between the two parties. See that? There had to be a relationship between them. As surface as it may be, as strained or as shallow as it may be, there had to be some type of a relationship for this transaction to happen. So we keep on reading now in the story. Verse 19, it says, after a long time, Their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest, and I have doubled the amount. The master was full of praise. He said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now... I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Next came the servant who had received the two bags of gold with the report. Sir, you gave me two bags of gold to invest, and I have doubled the amount. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. But then the servant with the one bag of gold came and said, Sir, I know you're a hard man. Harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. And here it is. Stop right there with me. I was afraid. So I hid I was afraid, so I hid. That sounds familiar to me. You guys remember the story of Adam, right? It's where we started this whole journey of God. The very first account with Adam and God when sin was coming in between them. And what did Adam say to God? He said, I was afraid, so I went off and I hid in the bushes. We struggle with this thing inside of us, and God. Every single one of us struggles with this fear inside of us, and this fear inside of us keeps us from using what God has given us. See, this guy in this story, the guy that took this, the, his his gold and he buried it in the ground. I've always looked at that guy as a bonehead. I'm like, you are such an idiot. Why did you do that? Why would you take your gold and put it in the ground? That doesn't make any sense. You've got gold. Do something with it. But when I started to really understand what was happening inside of his heart and his mind, he was afraid. He was scared. See, when this transaction happened between his master, his boss, and these three guys... There had to be a relationship between them, right? This guy's response, by burying it, shows us where his relationship with his boss was at. And Jesus is using this as a story for us to look at our relationship with God. And he's saying, how do you feel about God? How do you feel? Are you afraid of anything? Is there anything in your life that causes you to hesitate Or shrink back in fear with what God has given to you? Yeah. How many of you have ever heard God say something to you and you've been scared to death? Yeah. You're like, God, I can't. No way. I can't. Pastor a church? Are you kidding me? No way. Yeah. When God gives us something... There is that moment where we have to look at our relationship with God and we have to decide, what are we going to do with it? And this guy's response is picture perfect for many of us. Let's keep on reading in the story. Verse 26. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You think I'm a hard man, do you? Harvesting crops that I didn't plant and gathering crops that I didn't cultivate? You should have at least put my money into the bank so that I could have some interest. Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of gold. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping A gnashing of teeth. How was this master viewed by this guy that buried his gold? Was it accurate? Was he really this hard of a man? I don't think so. Because the response that we see is of a fair man of a just man, of somebody who looked at three individuals and said, I see something in you, and I am going to give you an opportunity. Here. I don't think that that same guy gave that same bag of gold to everybody that he saw. He selected these three guys and said, I see something in you. And you know what? As I look around this room tonight, I see the same thing. I see lives right now that if I were to have you come up here and stand in front of all these people and, and to ask you the question, what has God done for you? The stories would blow your mind of what God has done for us in this room. It would blow our minds. There's people in this room who have had their bodies literally healed of sickness. There's people in this room who were addicted, who were, who were lifetime addicts, struggling with substance abuse, with drugs and alcohol, whatever, And God set them free. God took it away. God took something out of them that they could never give up themselves. There's people in this room who are still married today because God rescued their marriage. Story after story that we could stand here and celebrate together. See, this guy saw these three individuals and he said, here, I'm gonna give you a bag of gold. I'm gonna give you three bags of gold. I'm gonna give you five bags of gold. The beautiful thing about this story is that God does not cookie cutter us. He doesn't size us all up and say, hey, you know what, Jason? You're like this, and Bill, you're right next to Jason. You guys are going to be just like each other when I'm done with you. No. God looks at us individually, and he says, I'm going to give you according to where you're at in life. If I were to ask you, how many of you have been a follower of Jesus for longer than six months? Raise your hand. How many of you have been a follower of Jesus less than six months? Raise your hand. Yeah. We've got a lot of people in this room. Half and half. If I were to stand the, the, the long-termers up here and the short-termers up here, do you think that God's expectation or God's, when he looks at you, it would be the same based upon where you're at and what you've been through with him? No. Because we're on a journey with Jesus and it's different. With everybody and where we're at. Now, if I were to say that same question, how many of you have been a follower of Jesus longer than 10 years? There'd be a lot of hands in here tonight. And the saddest thing about that sizing up is that if I were to size up the 10-year-old Christians with the six-month-old Christians, their willingness to respond to God would be almost the same. Why? Because I know that the longer that we walk with God, sometimes the lazier that we get. And this story says a lot about the human condition. And about how God plays by one rule that you need to know. He gives, we use, he gives more. He gives, if you use it, he'll give you more. But the opposite is true. If he gives and you don't use it, he takes it away. And he gives it to somebody that'll use it. And this story tells us that truth. And there is no truer statement that I've ever learned in my life. than if God gives you something and you use it, he'll he'll give you so much more. And so the question that we ask ourselves tonight, at the crux of this whole thing, really is, what has God given you? What has God given to you? See, this story that we read, it starts off with a very interesting statement. You remember the statement? It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by this story. In other words, Jesus is using this story to teach us about what's important in the kingdom of God. And what's important in the kingdom of God is use it or lose it, buddy. Use it or lose it. And that's why I say that some of you who have only been a follower of Jesus for six months, you can stand up here and you say, Jesus saved my soul. He rescued me from where I was at in my life. And I am willing to give him whatever he wants. And then I can have somebody come up here that's been walking with God a long time who's maybe gotten used to it and they could say, you know, I've been walking with Jesus a long time and I remember when I got saved and I remember when I was willing to give him anything. But as we will learn about our hearts, they're sensitive stuff, man. When you walk out of these doors on a Saturday night, everything in our culture, everything in our society comes at your heart. And it tries to make you hard. It tries to make you calloused. It tries to make you hang in there without feeling the pain that this world dishes out. And yet everything that Jesus came to do is to make you soft. To make you feel. To make your heart work again. To make you look at people and see in their eyes the pain that they feel. And to well up with tears because you want them to get better. Two completely different worlds the world of the kingdom of God is all about him coming inside of us and taking that hardness out. And when we walk out of these doors, everything in the world that we live in is all about crushing it and trying to hurt us again. But tonight there's hope because Jesus said, Jesus says in this story that he gives, and if we use it, he'll give us more. It's not rocket science. What have you been given? Use it. It's that simple. You can say it with me. Come on, say, what have I been given? I'll use it. It's simple. Really? No. It's hard because sometimes what God is asking us to do is against what we're comfortable with, right? It's against where we feel safe. It's against our safety zone or our comfort level or whatever you want to call it. But yet, just like this story, when God gives you something, it's because he sees something in you that maybe you don't even see in yourself, but he sees something in you. I want to share another scripture with you, Isaiah chapter 55, and I want you to listen to these words because these are words from God's heart to us. This is God talking to us tonight. Hear Him when He says this to you. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of the wine or the milk because it's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen. I will tell you where to get food that is good for the soul. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, for the life of your soul is at stake. I am ready to make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the mercies and unfailing love that I promised to David. My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out. And it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. Those are powerful words. Spoken from God to us tonight. Is anybody thirsty? You can come. He will give you food that truly satisfies your heart. He promises that where His Word goes, in other words, where His message, where His truth, where His life goes, it'll accomplish everything that it was set out to do. And you know what that means? That means that Jesus, who is alive inside of you, is going to do exactly what He wants to do in your heart, if you will let Him. Let's pray. God, tonight we come humbly... this point where we want to say we hear you we want to say to you God I want to respond to you I want to respond to your words and to your truth God I don't want to live another moment or to go through another aimless day without responding to your word responding to your truth God I believe that the words that are spoken in scripture that are pinned down thousands of years ago, God, you used those simple words to come alive to us here tonight. And your message rings loud and clear. You want us. And so God, tonight, we stand here aware of our condition. We stand here tonight aware that we deal with fear. That God, that there are moments where we are afraid and we want to Bury what you've given us instead of use it. And God, I pray tonight in this quiet place, in this moment before you, God, that you will talk to our hearts and that you will speak to us and that you will give us whatever it is that we need to be able to respond to you in obedience. We want to say yes to you, Jesus. Amen. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, as we were thinking about the new year starting up, it's pretty cool stuff to think about what God's doing and what God has got planned on the horizon. And I was talking to Chuck last Sunday morning and, and David and we were in the coffee shop after Bible study and we were just talking about this, this mental picture that God had given to me when I was just kind of praying and saying, God, what, where are we at? What are we doing and the picture that God gave me, God sometimes talks to me in construction terms. It's how I think, so it works, whatever. But he gave me this mental picture of these men standing around a concrete foundation as the concrete was getting hard. And they were standing there, they were watching it. And, and if you know anything about construction, you know that there's a lot of work that goes into preparing for a foundation to get poured. There's digging involved. There's forming that needs to be done. There's plumbing underground. There's all kinds of work that needs to go in to get to that stage in building a structure. And once you pour the concrete and once you trowel it and it gets all smooth, you stand back and you don't do anything else except for watch it get hard. It's a cool thing. It's a really cool thing because it's kind of like you're watching your work and you're, you're at that moment of, all right, we're done. We're just standing around drinking coffee, eating a donut, watching this thing get hard. And... When God gave me that picture, what He was showing me was that in a lot of ways, that's where we are at as a group of people. We've been doing a lot of hard work. We've been digging. We've been setting forms. We've been pouring the concrete. We've been doing a lot of hard work. And we just are at the point where we've watched it get hard. And we've been sitting back for a little while going, man, this is good. It's getting hard. But guess what? There's lumber being dropped on the side of the concrete foundation. The electricians are on their way. The framers are coming. It's time to get to work because now God's ready to build something. And it was such an exciting feeling when God showed this to me because I was just like, wow, we've been going through these phases and getting ready to build what it is that God has for us to build. And the reason that I'm sharing with this with you tonight is because some of you sitting in this room are the ones that God is bringing to do the work. See, in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, I want to just share this, this quick scripture with you, and it's going to be a scripture that we're going to talk about quite a bit more in, in the months to come. But in Ephesians chapter 4, there's a short little snippet where Paul is teaching a group of people. And when he gets to this point, he makes this statement about the church, meaning us here tonight. He says, Jesus is the one who gave these gifts to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. It says in this short little scripture that the responsibility of pastors is not to do ministry, believe it or not it says that what we are supposed to do as pastors is equip you to do ministry. As a matter of fact, if you read in the original language that this this letter was written in, the language that they used described what would happen when fishermen cast their nets out and then they brought them back to be repaired because during the fishing, their nets got torn and tattered. And this word, equip, equip, Literally means to mend these nets. So, what we're doing here is we're sending you out where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you do whatever it is that you do to carry with you God. It's that simple. And when you come back, you should be messed up a little bit. When you come back, you should be tired. When you come back, you should be beat up because it's hard work loving people that are broken, right? When you come back, you need to be restored so that we can send you back out again to do some more work. So, all of this together is just a little snapshot of what God has for us in the future. And I say all of this because your heart and your attitude towards God needs to be God, I'm ready. Whatever you say, I do. Whatever you give, I will use. I'm going wherever you want me to go. And having said all that, there's a few things that we're going to be starting pretty quickly here. One of them is going to be on a monthly basis, we're going to be um, reaching out to a lot of the nonprofits around our area and a lot of the different churches that are doing great things. My wife is very passionate about picking, she calls it a cause a month, where we just target a ministry that needs resources, whether it's time or whether it's our our energy or whether it's our finances or whether it's our goods, whatever it is, we're going to target these ministries on a monthly basis and we're going to go and give them what we can give them to help them be what it is that God's called them to be. See, we believe that the only way that God's kingdom is going to grow is if we share what we've got. It's not about us. It's not about building a big church or having people here. As a matter of fact, The goal is not to have a full place. I would much rather have you out on a Saturday night being the hands and feet of Jesus of being here with us. That's the truth. Because that's what this is really all about. You learning how to love people. And so every month we're going to start doing that. Another thing that we're going to start doing is many of you have found Christ in the last couple months and you need to get baptized in water. And so what we've decided to do is we're going to be looking for a hot tub. If anybody has one, a portable one. Um, and we're going to put it right here in the corner and we're going to start baptizing people here on Saturday nights. So if you know of anybody who's got a hot tub that works, but they're not using it, um, talk to me. We're going to be putting it out on, on the internet and trying to see if we can find a hot tub that, um, that can be donated because we're broke. So we need somebody that'll give us a free hot tub that still can be plugged in and will warm up. If it doesn't warm up, I guess we can make do. Frankie, you'll just go down to the kitchen and bring up some hot water just before we get in there, right? But if it works, that would be better. And um, the last thing that, that we're going to start is on Tuesday nights, um, we're going to be down here on Tuesday nights for a night of ministry. We've, we believe that one of the things that God has asked us to do, specifically as Gravity Church, is to be flexible. Meaning that as soon as God speaks, we need to be able to respond and say yes. And so that means that the way we do what we do is very free flow and it's very lack of, of structure in a lot of ways, and it's by design, because we believe that you have to be fluid to be able to move quickly where God is wanting us to move to. And so Tuesday nights is going to be another extension of that. There's going to be nights on Tuesdays where we're going to be handing out food to our neighbors. There will be Tuesday nights where we'll be having a time of worship. There will be Tuesday nights where it will be us having coffee and probably just having conversations. But starting here in the near future, we'll make sure to let you know, Tuesday nights are going to be a night that we're going to set aside for putting ourselves in God's way and seeing what He does with us. And it's just the way we want to do it. God, here we are. Use us. We're going to put ourselves right in the smack in the way of you. And uh, so that's where we're headed. I hope you guys are going to be around to contribute what God's given you to contribute. And um, that's about it. So tomorrow morning we have Bible study here at 10 o'clock for Gravity Unplugged. And then we have a whole slew of Bible studies throughout the week. God bless you guys. And I hope we can chat some more afterwards.